Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a Monday morning. So yesterday, kind of a sad day in the world. First, uh, Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek passed away. And then, like, literally five minutes later, I got a word that Bill Russell passed away as well. So yeah, tough day. That's the one that I want to comment on because, of course, anyone growing up in that era, which I did, uh, has to be very saddened because Bill Russell was everything. Kind of objected a little bit to the national media last night saying, Bill Russell passes Celtics legend. He was a Celtics legend, no question about that, and an NBA legend, but he was more than that, folks. He was a big-time athlete on the American sports scene. He really, I, I can't say he's personally responsible, but he was among those greatly responsible for bringing basketball into the big time in the American sports lexicon. Gosh, <laughs> You can't forget his times in college. He played for San Francisco University. San Francisco is a very small school, small Catholic school in the city itself. They were being overshadowed by California and by Stanford, which are right there in the Bay Area. He always got the publicity in San Francisco, didn't get any. So they recruited Bill Russell out of McClyman's High School in Oakland. Not a great athlete, kind of, uh, in a sense, uh, unorthodox but they took a chance. They said, eh, this kid might develop. <laughs> might develop. Oh, my goodness sake. Went to San Francisco, wins back-to-back national champions. His teams won 60-6-0 games in a row, and they beat big-timers. They were really good. And Russell was the, the key instrument. It wasn't just him. He had his old Boston Celtics teammate, Casey Jones, on the team. They were really good. Well, the first time that it really became cognizant of him, they beat LaSalle from Philadelphia for the national title, and LaSalle was great. The next year, I'll get them back, <laughs> played in the Final Four again. They'd won, I think, uh, 58 in a row going into that. They're going to play another Philadelphia team, my club, that I was going to go to school at later on, Temple University. And, uh, but San Francisco didn't play him. Temple was in the Final Four but didn't get to play the championship game did have the most valuable player, but over and above that, Russell led his team over Iowa and a national title again. Then he went and played in the Olympics after he had been drafted by the NBA. Now, how do you work that? Well, <laughs> the Olympics that year in 1956 were played in Australia, and they were played in late October, early November, after the NBA season had begun. Russell was given permission to play in the Olympics and then join the Boston Celtics, as it turned out, uh, in uh, the very latter part of November and early December of that year and transformed everything. What I really remember him as is the epic, absolutely epic battles with the first Philadelphia Warriors and then later the Philadelphia 76ers, both of whom had Will Chamberlain. The battles between Russell and Chamberlain were so classic headline-making, national media covering everything. Now, being from there and being biased in my thinking, I always felt Will Chamberlain was the better player. He was better offensive player. Russell was defense and championships. He had 11 NBA national championships, five MVPs. He was defense. I kind of thought it funny, too, if I can throw in the social aspect of things, that some of the media last night was talking about how Russell didn't like to be booed and fans were booing him because he was a black athlete and all this sort of thing. That absolutely, and I'm being positive and literal with you, never, ever resonated with any of us. Our, that was a diverse population that I grew up in. Didn't mean a thing. They weren't booing this 
Russell. <laughs> they were booing the Celtics. Yeah, I was like, that's a Boston thing. <laughs> I know that all day. Booing Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach, their coach. And Russell learned from this. Practiced intimidation. It was the greatest thing you've ever seen. Old Auerbach sit back there on the He's a brilliant coach. And Russell was a brilliant player. And uh, long about four minutes remaining in the game, Celtics usually won. He light up this great big cigar on the bench. That was his victory cigar. God, that made the f- I can't use the term. As soon on as the they air. heard smelled that smoke. Fans are throwing hot dogs. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it was all about. It had nothing to do, at least in my mind, had nothing to do with race at all. Russell was here on a couple of occasions, spoke at Drury, and then spoke for the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, the second time, he was a much more relaxed individual when I interviewed him, and he was a great interview, tremendous interview. This is a really sad day because he is an icon, not just in the sports public, but in the society as well. And it, it really is, you know, we're, we're all going to go sometime. He's 88 years old and lived a good life, but still to, to see one of your legends pass like that, it, it, it's tough to accept. He was a champion for sure, Ned. Thanks for sharing those stories. Um, speaking of uh, stories, what's the story out of St. Joe this morning? Well, the Chiefs, there is none. <laughs> they, they worked out. Worked out a little bit on Saturday and had a pretty good session. I uh, do have Jody Fortson, who's a little bit banged up with a quad injury. I think that has the Chiefs a little concerned. But still no Orlando Brown, and I really don't expect that he's going to show up until I'm going to guess he's there maybe for the uh, the final preseason game just to get himself acclimated into the scheme of things. He wants to play, and he's going to get, what, a million dollars a game, something like that. He's earning 16 7 a year. Well, that turns out to be about a million dollars a game. I don't think he's in a situation where he wants to forfeit that at all. I don't know who would give that up. No, no, no. <laughs> he'll, he'll be there when it's all over and when the Chiefs are ready to play. Whether or not he's in playing shape, that yeah. remains to be seen. But uh, for just no word. Interested to see now if the Chiefs this week go to the free agent market and look at things and uh, maybe work out some other details. There are 90 players in camp. That would be down to 53 in well, it's still a while to go before they have to cut the team, but I think things are looking pretty good for them. Trade deadline looms, getting closer <laughs> and closer. For a long time, St. Louis Cardinals could be one of the places Juan Soto would end up. Then the Otani conversation gets brought up, and he starts getting floated around. Personally, I would love to own an Otani St. Louis Cardinals jersey over Juan Soto all day. Guy puts butts in seats. He can pitch, he can hit, he's a complete player. Juan Soto, young guy, going to be something for a long time. Both of them could be game changers for the St. Louis Cardinals. Where you, where's your head at? I don't think either one of them. Ah, Ned, come on. Ned, I'll tell you Didn't why. Didn't even get to open my Christmas present yet. You already <laughs> would, tell me what of, it of is. Of the two, I would take Otani. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otani is multi-talented. He is, I think he's a team player a little bit more than Soto might Absolutely. be. But over and above all that, they are both, oh my goodness, the amounts of money that they are going to command. Now, I know this is the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and they can afford a lot of things, but I, I'm, I'm just a little resident to, to think that they might be making a deal. If they were going to get uh, uh, Soto, and first of all, the Cardinals take two out of three from Washington, beat him yesterday 5 nothing. Corey Dickerson, of all people, hits a three-run homer, and so does DeYoung. DeYoung, I guess, has learned his lesson. He's back now. Back from Memphis and ready to uh, stay on the team this time. Keep in mind, keep in mind, he's playing against one of the weakest teams in all of baseball. Now the Cardinals have the Chicago Cubs coming in. 
Cardinals can really get well this week. They have three games against the Cubs. Then you know who's in this weekend in St. Louis? The New York Yankees. Yep. Whoa. That'll be fun. Anyway, I wouldn't sell the Cardinals short. They're capable of doing a lot of things. But over and above that, I would have thought this three-game series in Washington, if it was going to be a deal, it probably would have been done by now. That's just a guess. However, television picked up Moselock from the Cardinals and Mike Rizzo from the Washington Nationals shaking hands in the press box. And automatically, the Internet said they've made a deal. They've made a deal. Soto's coming to the Cardinals and all that sort of thing. We'll see. The trade deadline is 5 o'clock Central Time tomorrow night. Yeah. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Nothing. I haven't seen anything yet. Cardinals did make a deal. They sent Edmundo Sosa to the Philadelphia Phillies for a relief pitcher, but Cardinals need pitching more than we anything need else. need starters, baby. Need starters. But, God, man, can you imagine Otani in a Cardinals uniform? No, That'd I cannot. so I, awesome, It would dude. be great to have him here oh in Missouri. The guy is a multi-talented international player who I think gives a damn about the teams he plays on. He gives on. a damn about baseball, yeah. and you can see it. He wants to play. I mean, yeah, he's going to get paid, but he earns it. But at the end of the day, he also is a champion, and he wants to win. He doesn't care about that paycheck because he knows he's going to make millions regardless. It doesn't matter. He's a smart dude, and that's why I want to see him in a Cardinals jersey. <laughs> I can dream, Ned. We'll see uh, today or tomorrow. We'll find out if I'm right or I'm wrong. All right, uh, Royals, how'd they do? Royals got a, how about this, a three-run homer from Salvador Perez in the ninth inning. Whew. Beat the Yankees 8-6. to six. That's a very nice win for Kansas City. It's not going to help them in the standings any, but, hey, it's it's a power display that this team is capable of doing. And when you can screw with New York, it's all for in, the better. In, in, in the <laughs> I know. Playing the, playing the Yanks in New York, that's a big deal. So uh, the, the Royals do get that victory. And the Springfield Cardinals, and I didn't see any of the major league games yesterday because we were televising the Springfield game with the Frisco Rough Riders. That's the Texas Rangers AA Farm Club. This was wild. 14-12, to 12, Frisco wins the game. Six home runs in the game, five by the Springfield Cardinals. Each team had 15 hits. That's 30 hits. Had the pitch clock going. Game, game took about three and a half hours to play. A lot of, just a lot of loose play. Final game of the series. So I think maybe teams were, I don't, it, it's hard to say, but whatever. It was a wild game. We used to use the term <laughs> lollygagging a lot. Was there a lot of lollygagging going out on No, the- <laughs> there was some very good defense, but there was some unusual defense as well. But these guys, hey, they know their scouts are at every single game. Every game. In fact, I asked Scott Bales a little bit about what a player's attitude is at this time of the year when the trading deadline is coming up. He says the guys who know that they're in the market have it in the back of their mind. They want to do their best. Lollygagging, no, but loose play, yes. And the reason for that may have been a night game right before and then a day game coming up on Sunday, and crowd was a little over 2,000 into it, but it was just one of those different games. Pitching wasn't very good at all. No. Man. But be that as it may, Frisco won the game 14-12, to 12, made for a long but interesting telecast. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure you guys were probably doing a little bit of lollygagging yourself. Uh, last but not least, um, Deshaun Watson. Decision coming down today. What's your, uh, what are your thoughts? I will got, predict. You, yeah, let's, let's, put, let's, let's do our predictions. What, what are you going to put some chocolate chips on I don't on know. Well, I'll see what I got in my backpack. All right. My prediction is he gets a one-year suspension. Pull out, pull out year he's gone for the season. I'd say he doesn't play at all this year. That's what the NFL wants. The impartial arbitrator who's hearing this is female, but that's not supposed to enter into it. The legalities are what really figure into this. 
and what he is accused of doing, not convicted. That's the one, that's the key to remember. Hasn't been convicted of anything and denies everything. But with 30 people coming and forward. And settling most of them out of court. I have to think, <laughs> I have to think it's a year. Think it's a year? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much power the Cleveland Browns organization have in the NFL because that also comes to play too. I mean, they made a pull for him, so I'm sure they're arguing and arguing in his favor. I want I want it to be at least a year, but I have a feeling I'm gonna say eight games. I'm gonna say eight games. Mike, you have to remember now the Browns also have to think about the population they're dealing with and the female population. A lot of them are pro football fans. If they did something less than a year, oh my! I'll <laughs> see. The NFL loves controversy, my man. Well, we'll see if I owe you a big chocolate bar tomorrow, Ned. You have a great day.